Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Aaron, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. Typically, I'm singing and leading in music, but this morning I have the opportunity to continue our series in the book of 1 Peter. But before I do, I must say, it is nice from time to time to be part of the congregation singing. Uh, It's wonderful to realize and to hear that you guys are actually singing. (laughs) (laughs) Oftentimes when we have our uh, in-ear monitors in, I I have a hard time hearing you, so it's wonderful to hear that you as our congregation are singing and giving glory to God, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, another thing that I am thankful for is God's faithfulness. Specifically, the, the reality that God continues to work in our life, that he who started a good work in us will continue uh, and will complete it in our lives. I had the opportunity this week to feel the Lord's conviction and had an opportunity to do some research uh, into something from my past. Don't worry, don't get all like freaked out. (laughs) Uh, So after Jazz and I got married, we got married in the summer of 2015. uh, And for the first honeymoon, we did two honeymoons. I highly recommend it if you can do that. Uh, The first honeymoon we took, we went to Montreal for four days. And then a week and a half later, we actually flew out west uh, to Vancouver Island and spent some time out there. But uh, since Montreal is only... I don't know, five, six hours, we drove to Montreal, uh, again, following our wedding, and we were staying in a condo right downtown, and uh, in order, it was an Airbnb, uh, and we got there, and it said in the instructions, if you've ever used Airbnb, there's like often instructions of how you book in, and this Airbnb uh, came with parking, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to pick that one. Uh, But in order to get to the parking garage, you had to go up to the condo to get the parking garage key. So, unfortunately, I had to park on the street. And sure enough, between the time park the car on the street, go up to the condo to grab the parking garage key, and come back down, I had a parking ticket. And you know what? To my shame, I didn't pay it. I thought, as a 25-year-old, I'm in Montreal. I live in Ontario. I'm not going to pay this thing. And I didn't. And as I was studying God's Word over the last couple weeks in preparation for today, the Holy Spirit convicted me of that. So I had the opportunity this week to reach out to the Montreal Parking Authority to find out if there was indeed an outstanding parking ticket. I gave them my name. She emailed me back and said, there's no ticket under your name. And I thought, thank the Lord. He's good, even in conviction. But then she said, well, we could run the plates. And I was like, oh, man. I don't even remember. Like, this this was eight years ago. Uh, So we have a filing system where we keep old documents. Guess what? I found the license plate. So I emailed back and said, hey, This was the license plate. At this point, Jazz was like, wow, you really want to pay this. I'm like, I'm feeling the conviction. I want to make sure this is right. Sent them the license plate number. 
uh, she emailed me last night actually and said, there's nothing under your name or the plate. And I thought, thank the Lord. Because uh, I have no idea how much a parking ticket would be after eight years of not paying it. But again, in my arrogance, in my entitlement, in my pride, I did not want to submit to the Montreal Parking Authority. I didn't think I should have to. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we all live in this tension. We all struggle at times to submit to authority, whatever that might be, especially when we disagree or we don't respect or we don't like the governing authorities. I think if we look back, we've just come through a time in our society and and globally where we had an opportunity to live this out. Through COVID, we had an opportunity uh, and we felt that tension. Well, today we're going to be looking at a passage in the book of 1 Peter that talks about this. And if you remember, we're in a series about living in a hostile world towards Christians. And as Christians, if we want to live out our faith, we must fix our eyes on Jesus. And the book of 1 Peter is helping us practically do that, to figure out how do we live in a culture and in a society that is hostile towards Christians. And we're going to continue that journey. Uh, It's been said a few times over the course of our uh, series some context of the book of 1 Peter. I want to give a little bit more uh, because I think it'll be helpful for our study of 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17. But if you remember, the book of 1 Peter is written to a group of Christians. They are believers. Uh, they're elect exiles living in a culture and a time that it wasn't very popular to be a Christian. They were living in the Roman Empire, so they were subject to the Roman Empire. Uh, that they were experiencing discrimination. It wasn't state legislated, meaning that it wasn't at this point illegal to be a Christian, but it wasn't popular. Christians were seen as strange, superstitious, and disloyal to the Roman Empire. Uh, They wouldn't swear allegiance to Nero at the time. They wouldn't uh, oftentimes join or be be part of the Roman army, because again, they couldn't swear full allegiance. Uh, They lived a countercultural lifestyle. They would gather in secret, and they were even uh, deemed cannibals because they practiced the Lord's Supper, right? Jesus says to eat of his body and drink of his blood. If you don't know what that means, that can seem weird. And so Christians were experiencing some discrimination. Uh, They were accused of misbehavior, and they were actually sometimes taken to court. And so this is what Peter is writing into, and he's, again, encouraging them to keep living out their faith. And he's, he's going to move into some practical ways in which Christians can do that. He spent maybe the first couple chapters talking about our freedom in Christ and our living hope, and uh, we have to be holy. But now he's moving into some specifics. And specifically, this morning, our pastor is going to answer the question, how do I live as an elect exile as a Christian, in a world that is hostile, specifically in the context of our relationship to governing authorities. And what we're going to find is, I think it's not something we maybe don't know, but at times can be very difficult to live out. 
And so if you have your copies of the scripture, I'm going to encourage you to open to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 17, and I will invite you to stand uh, as I read this. Peter writes, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that we can gather in your name. I thank you for the freedom we experience as Christians in our country, uh, that we do have the freedom to gather like this, uh, to talk about you, to learn about you, uh, to encourage one another. And I pray this morning, Father, as we submit ourselves to your word, that you would be penetrating our hearts, that Holy Spirit, you would be working in us, you would be convicting us, you would be encouraging us, uh, that we again would submit to your word because you are our ultimate authority, God. And we thank you for that. Uh, yeah, thank you, Lord. Work in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. As I said, Peter is quite explicit in his first, or in his main idea of what this passage is saying. So the main idea for this morning is to submit be subject to every human institution. Living in a hostile world as a Christian, first and foremost, does mean submitting to the governing authorities. I don't think, uh, again, because we've gone through COVID, that this is, is necessarily new. Uh, it wasn't new for the people that Peter was writing to, uh, but just let's unpack what that means for a minute. Uh, the word subject uh, means like a willing obedience. It's a conscious act. Uh, it's something that Again, when we think about authority, it's submitting. It's, it's recognizing the authority and living out what it is they're asking us to do. Uh, the word subject uh, in military terms was this idea of arranging troops in a division under the command of a leader. If we think about military terms in that way, a general would oversee a group of troops and the troops were to subject themselves to the governor or the general. In non-military use, it was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Basically, living as a good citizen in subjection to the governing authorities. This is a theme throughout Scripture that, that as Christians, uh, they're called to live as good citizens, obeying the laws, paying the taxes, paying your parking tickets. One of the things that the Lord convicted me of this morning, actually, was I have an unpaid 407 bill that I still need to pay. It seems there's this theme in my life, uh, but I will go home and pay that uh, when I get home. But it's this idea, right, of being a good citizen, to be subject to the governing authorities, um, to every human institution. Notice how Peter doesn't give us a caveat of whether or not that institution is good or bad, whether the uh, human institution follows God's law uh, or does not. He doesn't give that. He just says, be subject to every human 
institution. He does go on to give some specific context, right? If we continue in verse 13, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do, who do good. I think Peter uh, is alluding to the fact that God is the one. We find this in Romans 13, but Peter here I think is alluding to the fact that it is God who gives authority, It is ultimately God who places people in the positions of authority. And there is a design for governing authorities, right? That the emperor sends out governors to reward those who do good and to uh, those who don't do good, they punish, right? This is, we need these things in our society. Uh, We need governing institutions in many areas uh, because we as human beings, I think, flourish in some level of authority, and submission. It wouldn't be good if we could all just do whatever it is that we want. And so Peter is saying that to live in a, even living in a hostile world, Christians are to submit to those governing authorities. Again, this wouldn't be something that would be odd to them. Uh, they lived in the Roman Empire. Like the Roman Empire, uh, Nero was seen as God. You didn't have an option of whether or not you wanted to submit. They would have understood this and this wouldn't have been And he's just reminding them that even in a hostile world, they're to subject themselves to the governing authorities, and yes, even to Nero. And so the big idea is is just that, to be subject to human authority. But then he goes on and unpacks it a little bit, and this is where uh, I think we struggle. We feel that tension, and I hope this morning that our tension can be alleviated. Because the first thing we learn about submitting to human institutions is, one, that it's for the Lord's sake. Be subject for the Lord's sake. In our submission uh, and in their submission to the governing authorities, it's not actually for them. Peter's saying it's for the Lord's sake. All of us, I think, can understand this concept. We all do things for the sake of others. Last weekend, uh, we had an opportunity as a family, an extended family, so my brother, sister, my mom, and my dad, uh, to do family photos. My sister lives out in Edmonton, but she was home for a couple weeks, and we had the, the opportunity as an extended family to do family photos for my parents. We gave that to them as a gift for Christmas. And I'm not a big, Jazz will tell you, the, my camera on my phone doesn't come out very often. She begs me all the time, can you take pictures? It's just not my thing. Uh, and so the reality is, is last Sunday, while family photos is cool, it was for my parents' sake that we were doing the family photos. We understand this. If we live in families, we do things for other people's sake. And this is what Peter is saying, that our subjection to human authority is not for us. It's for the Lord's sake. He is our motivation. Again, I think he's reminding the readers that God is the ultimate authority in our lives, that we submit to him, and it's for him that we subject ourselves to human institutions. So that's the first thing we learn about submitting to human institutions, is that it's for the Lord's sake. But not only that, if we continue in the text, verse 15 says, for this is the will of God. That not only is it for the Lord's sake, it's actually God's will that you submit to human authority. He says, for by doing good, you silence the ignorance of foolish people. Doing good here is, I don't, uh, it could mean just general good, but I think he's actually referring to submitting themselves or submission to human authority. That's the good. It is God's will. 
Uh, I was a youth pastor for many years before uh, coming here to Temple, and, and a question I would often get from young people is, what is God's will for my life? Uh, and it's nice when God explicitly says it in Scripture. There are a few places he does that. But one of the things that God has for us, God's will, his desire for us as Christians is to sub- submit to human authority. It is his will, again, a motivation that it is about God and not about us. So one, submitting to human institutions is for his sake. And number two, it's for God's, or it's God's will. And thirdly, it's part of living out our freedom as God's servants. Verse 16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. What Peter's doing here is he's reminding his readers their identity, that they are free people. The freedom here he's talking about is freedom from the, from the moral obligations of the Mosaic law, the Old Testament. Uh, that, that because of Jesus, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law perfectly. And so, because human, human beings can't do it, we all fall short of that law. And so Jesus did it. And in doing that, uh, provided a way for Christians or for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus and what he did, freedom, freedom from the law. Christians are no, no longer under the law, but they are under grace. And what he's saying here is that as Christians, we're not to use our freedom to do whatever it is that we want. Uh, biblical freedom is not doing whatever it is you want. Peter talks about this in, in chapter one, right? To be holy for God is holy. We have not been saved by our works, but we have been saved for good works, for holiness. If you think about a kite, any kite flyers? I haven't met too many in my life. If you think about when is a kite truly free? Is a kite free when it can do whatever it wants? No. If you've ever flown a kite and you let go of the string, it's not only a matter of time before the kite falls to the ground. It dies, essentially. A kite is only free when it subjects itself to the string, to the, te- or the tension on the string, right? That's when it's free. That's when it can do what it is designed to do. Similarly, God has designed us for submission to him. And that's when we're truly free, when we submit to his lordship as our master. We are God's servant. And so Peter reminds the readers that they're to live as people who are free, not using their freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And so submitting to human authority is part of living out our freedom in Christ. So three things. Submitting to human institutions is one, for the Lord's sake. It's God's will for us, and it's part of living out our freedom as Christians. Well, if that happens, what is the outcome? Well, Peter tells us. If we jump back to verse 15, he says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, submitting to human authority, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Remember that Christians at that time were being accused of a whole host of various things, right? By people who didn't really understand what they were doing. And Peter is saying is that when you submit, when you live your lives as good citizens, if you live out your freedom, do the will of God, that when people accuse you of doing whatever, they won't line up. The accusation won't line up with the reality of the way you're living your life. 
I've had a few experiences in my life where people will, have, will come and say to me, hey, did you hear about what this person did or what that person did? Or, uh, and there's times where I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because that has not been my experience because of the way that my experience with that person is. And this is the idea that Peter is getting at, that when people are accusing Christians of various things, people will question it because it doesn't line up with the way God has them living in society. And that is the outcome that we silence the ignorance of foolish people. How can Peter write this? How can Peter call them to submit in this society? Well, he's just doing what Jesus taught him. Peter is was, uh, looking back at what Jesus taught and what Jesus did. Jesus lived this idea of submitting to human institutions out perfectly. Remember in the Gospels, Jesus says, render unto Caesars what is Caesars, that we live in society and we are to live as citizens in that society. Even, he goes on to say in Matthew 6, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, even if those institutions are no good. Jesus didn't just teach it, but he lived it out. Right? If we think about the life of Jesus, Jesus submitted himself to the human institutions, the governing authorities. He submitted himself in his death in, uh, to the Jewish authorities. Right? He submitted himself to the high priest, Caiaphas. Uh, he went before them, and ultimately it led to his death. But the gospel is actually our motivation our number one motivation, the gospel calls us to live as surrendered citizens. Again, it's for the Lord's sake. It's God's will. It's part of living our freedom. And this is the example that Jesus gave. Christ's suffering is the supreme example to imitate. And the final outcome of that was our freedom and our salvation. He is our example. And so what does this mean for us? It means exactly the same thing that it meant to those, to the people that Peter is writing to. We are called to submit as well. Willingly, in whatever situation we find ourselves, uh, we are to submit to the governing authorities, to obey the laws, to pay our parking tickets, to pay our four or seven bills. This is what we're required to, even when it is difficult, even when the culture around us is hostile to the gospel. Why? Because for us, it's for the Lord's sake. It's not for us. It's for the Lord. Because it is God's will for us. The motivation for this submission is, again, God himself. We are obeying God first and foremost, and God requires us to submit. It actually combats our own will. Uh, it, it's this idea of not my will, but yours be done. One of the things I think that's very difficult for us in our society is that we live in a highly individualized society. We live in a society uh, that we, we human rights, uh, are, we highly value human rights. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's a very good thing for uh, humans have value because they've been created by God and, and we need human rights. But one of the things that I want to remind us this morning is that as Christians, we've actually given up all of our rights to Christ. Jesus says to deny yourself and come to Christ. So we give all of our rights to Jesus and live as he is our master. And so we are, uh, again, it's God's will for us and it's part of living out our freedom. We can't just do whatever we want. We must submit to God's desire. 
Now, again, I recognize that some of this probably isn't new coming out of COVID. Uh, but it is difficult and challenging at our time, and that's why we need to look to Jesus. But does this mean that as Christians, we're just supposed to roll over and do whatever it is the government asks us to do? Do we just submit in all things? Well, no. There are biblical examples of people disobeying uh, the governing authorities. If we look back to Exodus 1, uh, Pharaoh commanded the midwives to kill Israel ba Israelite babies. And the midwives disobeyed because they feared God more than Pharaoh. Daniel 3, uh, Daniel disobeyed the decree to pray to just Darius alone. Right? He continued to pray to God. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel as well. They, the the uh, king de decreed that they were to submit and bow down to the worship of the statue. They said no. It cost them their life. Daniel got thrown into the lion's den. Acts 4 and 5, Peter, John, and the apostles were commanded not to teach about Jesus. And they said, no, we serve God, not you. And so there are biblical examples of when we don't submit. And when we don't submit is when submitting would cause us to sin. Again, ultimately, our allegiance is to God and God alone. And so if we are being asked to sin, we have the freedom to disobey because God is our ultimate authority. Now, I recognize that even that is easier said than done. It takes wisdom. It takes uh, understanding. It takes seeking the Lord in those various things. But what's the outcome for us? I think it's similar. That as we seek to live out being good citizens in the world we live in, and surrender and, and all of those things, that when people come against Christians with accusations of whatever it might be, that our, the way we've lived our lives in submission to God first and foremost would discredit any accusations. We can't let the way we live our lives give any accusation credit. Again, when someone says, this is what Christians are like, the hope is people would be able to say, well, that's not been my experience. I think, unfortunately, this actually hasn't always been the case, if we're honest with ourselves. We haven't always been good at this, that some of the accusations of Christians being hypocritical and judgmental have actually had credit because Christians have at times been hypocritical and judgmental. But Peter is calling us against that, that we're to live lives of goodness as good citizens. Again, I get that wisdom is needed. There are things going on in our society and in our culture that is making it increasingly difficult sometimes to do this. A couple of examples that I thought about uh, in some of the tension of do I submit in this area. If I work for the government uh, or an organization where I'm required to use someone's personal pronouns, what do you do in that situation? Right? Like that's a difficult thing to live out. Uh, what... As an parent, should I submit my child to whatever the educational institution wants to teach them? That's a gray area. We need biblical wisdom. And so as we seek to submit in the various areas that God is calling us to submit to, I think verse 17 can help us in that journey practically. Let's look at verse 17. Peter says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. I think as we seek to submit and in areas that are difficult, I think this can be helpful. P Peter uh, 
says that we are to, as Christians, honor everyone. This word honor is this idea of revere, value, respect. And he levels the playing field by saying honor everyone. So our job as Christians is to treat everyone we come into contact with, with value, respect, and dignity as human beings, to honor them regardless of any situation. That should be our first and foremost priority. He then goes on to say to love the brotherhood. Notice how he doesn't say honor the brotherhood. He actually uses the word love. And so what Peter is getting to at is that as Christians, we have a higher obligation to fellow Christians. We're to love one another uh, at a higher obligation than those around us. And one of the things that I think was so sad as we went through COVID was that there was so much division in the church. And I'm not speaking about temple. I wasn't here through COVID at temple. But we saw this on social media, right? Like there's so much division and attacking. We did not love the brotherhood. That was not necessarily one of the highest priorities. Peter goes on to say to fear God. That uh, we are, again, he's alluding to this fact. He's not alluding, he's explicitly saying God is our ultimate authority. He says, fear God. He is the one that we fear. Again, this reverential awe for God. God is our ultimate authority. Proverbs teaches that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If we want to be wise in these situations as we seek to live out uh, our citizenship, we need to fear God. He is the one who gives us wisdom. And finally, he wraps up by saying, honor the emperor. And he levels the playing field even here, right? Uh, Emperor Nero, or the Roman Empire, was kind of seen as a god. And he's actually saying, no, everyone is equal of the same honor, even the emperor. And so it can go both ways. It's lowering the status of the, of the emperor, but it's also saying that even if the emperor does not love God, does not teach God's law, if it's hostile towards Christians, we're still to honor the emperor. We're still to honor the governing authorities. Again, I recognize that this is not always easy, but neither was it for them as well. And this is why we need to look to Jesus. He is our motivation for submitting to the governing authorities to help us honor one another, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the authority. And so just as I wrap up, I want to ask you, how are you doing in these areas? A bit of self-reflection time. How are you doing in subjecting yourself to human authority? Maybe you have an unpaid parking ticket. Maybe a 407 bill. I don't know what it is, but are you living in subjection to human authority? And in that, how are you honoring everyone? Maybe there's people this past week, this past year, maybe through COVID that you did not honor, that you did not show value and respect to. And you need to repent of that before the Lord and say, Father, forgive me for not treating all people with honor. Repent and seek forgiveness for that. How are you loving the brotherhood? How are you loving your fellow brothers and sisters? Maybe it was through COVID. Maybe there are people in this room that you have not loved, and you know that, and you need to go first and foremost to the Father to ask for forgiveness, and then you need to repent and seek uh, forgiveness and reconcile that relationship. How are you doing with fearing God? Maybe for some in this room, you've actually never come under the authority of God as ultimate. Maybe you've never come to Christ. Maybe you haven't experienced the freedom that God wants to offer you today in Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, we would love to talk to you about that. As we sing the last song, uh, our elders are going to come up here uh, at the front and would love to chat about what that could, could look like to submit to God's ultimate authority. And finally, how are you honoring the emperor? In our case, Justin Trudeau, 
Doug Ford. Those uh, who God has placed in authority over us. And again, it's, we need to honor them. First Timothy calls us to pray for our governing leaders. And so we need to show honor and respect to our governing authorities. And in order, again, I'll say this again, in order for us to live this out in the culture we live in, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We must look to Jesus to help us to submit, to honor, to love, to fear God, and to live out the example of Christ. I want you to imagine with me for a minute, if we look back at COVID, imagine how different it might have been. I'm not saying all Christians did a bad job. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we can all agree that there were areas where as Christians, I know even in my own life, where I probably could have done a better job. But imagine if our top priority, as we submitted, maybe as we disagreed, again, I'm not saying we have to agree. Honoring someone does not mean agreement. Uh, loving each other does actually not mean agreement. We can disagree, but it's more the attitude by which we do that and the way in which we do that. Imagine how different it would have been if our top priority as Christians was to honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear, fear God, and honor our governing authorities. We're going to sing a song uh, just as we wrap up called Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. Uh, and it's, it's essentially a prayer that it is not, we need Jesus' help in this. We really do. Uh, we need to look to Jesus. And so may it be a prayer. Uh, let me pray, and then we will sing that song. Father, we do come before you asking you to work in our lives. Jesus, that you would continue the work that you have started in our lives, uh, that you would convict, that you would encourage, that you would give us the strength to do what it is that you're calling us to do. Holy Spirit, if, if there are areas in our life that are not aligned with you, whether we need to seek reconciliation, whether we need to repent, uh, whether we need to seek forgiveness, Lord, would you show us those areas? God, if there's anyone in this room or watching online that does not know you and is not submitted to your ultimate authority, Holy Spirit, would you work in their life? Would they see their need of you? Would they see that your design for us is good, but we can't live out that design without Jesus? And so, Lord, would you bring them and draw them to yourself? Father, have your way in our lives. Lord, we need you so bad. Um, yeah, in your name we pray, amen.